It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Uh, yes, sports radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Oh. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it is Monday. March is almost over. It's time to talk some sports. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, rayandtaytoday.com. Man, we're revamping some things on the website, some great interviews for you. Come check it out. Like always, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Ray, it's the Final Four preview. We've got to sum up how we got there. But, you know, we've been in the college basketball world for a minute, so we've we got to touch on a couple things what's going on. And I want to start with you with, of course, the powertrain of the NFL, the Vegas Raiders. What are your thoughts? It's a very sad, emotional day. Six decades in Oakland, 13 years in L.A. But I feel like fans lost out. And will it be the War of the Roses? Because they might be there for definitely this season. Won't get to the Vegas till 2020. But will they stay there for the whole three other seasons and kind of be like a jilted lover or divorced people living together? Give me your thoughts on the 31 to 1 vote. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins, you know, went against it. Stephen Ross. Is this a good day? Bad day? Is this a good move for the NFL, right? So I have mixed emotions here. It's a great move for the NFL because there's no reason to have two teams in the Bay Area. You already have the Niners. And now that the Niners moved to their new facility, they're even closer. So the Bay Area is fine. The NFL going to Vegas is like a an unbelievable Christmas present for the NFL, for Las Vegas. So it's wonderful. The only problem is, like we felt for the Seattle Supersonics fans, the Oakland Raider fans didn't do anything wrong. In fact, they did everything right. They came to the games in a horrible facility. They showed up. They painted their faces. They went and represented. And now they get the team yanked out from under them for the second time. And this time it might be permanent. So they know what it was to lose an NBA franchise. They lost the Raiders to Oakland. I'm sorry, to L.A. for 12 years in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s. And now they probably lost them permanently. So I feel for Oakland, but you know what? The NFL is all about the money, 
and moving the team to Vegas has got to be good. It, it can only help Vegas, and it can help, only help the NFL. So financially great move, and Oakland is probably the only, team, the only market that suffers. It's fascinating because what people aren't talking about at the same time is, you know, they just got rejected from wanting to go back to L.A. the year before when they picked the Rams and Chargers to go to move. And now you have the L.A. Chargers and basically the L.A. Rams. Also, the thing that's fascinating about it is that this is a really good team now. They could potentially this season win a Super Bowl and then bounce, or in the next two or three seasons, if they still stay there, there's a chance in 19 they might play in Las Vegas, or you know, you know where UNLV plays. But could you imagine if they win a championship and then that basically bounce? Awkward. Where do they where do they have the parade? Like that would be bizarro, crazy, Ray. It's uh. Yeah, it's a hard day. I know a lot of Raider fans. One of my, two of my neighbors, such Raider fans, that they put stuff like in front of their house, you know. And this is in Scottsdale, Arizona. They love the Raiders, so I have to find out from them what they think about this move. But also, don't forget, the Warriors are leaving Oakland and going across the Bay to San Francisco in another year or two. So Oakland itself is being abused. And when did the poor Oakland A's get a new stadium? when you talk about what they're going through and that dump that they play in, uh, listen, it's, it's, you're right. It's mixed emotions. Now you want to talk emotions. Let's go to the NBA real quick, because when you score 70 points in a game and lose, and it's the sixth time that a player's done it in NBA history, you got to celebrate it, but you still lost. And then you should lose because you want to get a higher draft pick. So, it's really mixed emotions, you know what I mean? And then you got Jay Crowder and Devin Booker on an Instagram beef fighting about it. How do you view his 70 points, some of it manufactured, still 70, but only four three-pointers. It's amazing. But, I mean, is it, is it a great accomplishment when your team is so bad? Is it a great building block because you know you have the youngest team in the league? How should Suns feel about young Devin Booker dropping 70 on the road in a loss. Oh, the Suns feel great about it because it's a double it's a double win. They lost the game, so they're securing their draft pick and they have a budding superstar in Devin Booker. So, manufactured or not, everybody who scores over 40 some of those points are manufactured because your teammates start feeding you the ball. They keep feeding you and feeding you and feeding you. And they play unnaturally because they want to get you the ball. When Kobe scored his 81 against Toronto, you think that was natural? That was in the flow? No, they were getting him the ball. They wanted him to score. They wanted him to break the record or at least get close to to Wilt's record and, and be number two. So, look, 70 points in rec league at the GOAT. <laughs> At the Rucker Park, at the YMCA. I mean, you do it as a goat, you really earned it. You know what I'm saying? Seventy like... points in the NBA. I mean, that's another level. So, so nothing to be ashamed about. In fact, everything to be proud. Look, you typically score a lot of points either in a shootout or in a loss. 
right? And this was both. It was a loss that was a shootout. Uh, but nothing to be ashamed about. 70 points is still 70 points. So Phoenix Suns have themselves a superstar in the making in Devin Booker. Now go get yourself one or two other pieces and rebuild that team in Phoenix. I, Ray, I totally agree. And it's funny to hear some people try to, you know, hate on them or poo-poo them, but it's the perfect scenario. You, you're increasingly losing. Right now you would be the, you know, going by record, the third or fourth best, um, you know, third or fourth, you know, in the standings for the draft. And with all these young cats declaring, Lonzo Ball, we'll get to him after the game. We'll probably hear Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum. You know, this is a really, really good draft. And with Marquise Chris, Bender got hurt. Um, You got Alex Len. They're probably going to try to trade Knight around the draft, maybe keep Bledsoe, figure that out. You know, they really do have a young, talented roster, and things are definitely on the up when you could say, okay, my shooting guard is all-star level because he's, he's probably a year away from maybe being an all-star, but he's, the potential is there. Let's focus more on what's been happening with the standing because we haven't peeked at it. And, uh-oh, the Boston Celtics are tied for first. We got the Cavs first coming on now on TNT tonight. Um, does Cleveland need to be just a little bit more concerned? All year we kept saying no, no, no. But, Ray, the Wizards put it on them this weekend, and they're not scared of them. John Wall, what was it, 37 to 15? They're number two. Toronto's four, but the Celtics are tied for first. God forbid if the Cavs get the number two seed. Uh, I don't think that's a good look. What are you feeling? Well, look, they can win from the eighth spot. (laughs) <laughs> really, Cleveland doesn't need home court advantage, right? They can win from anywhere uh, because it's it's really about the matchups, and and they can win on the road. And and the really the only reason you need a game uh, home field advantage, home court advantage in the NBA is for a game seven. But this team is so experienced that they're fine. But what's what's more telling is they're not playing well. So it's exactly. one thing to not have home court advantage if you're playing well, but they're not playing well. And they seem to think, like I seem to think, like you seem to think, like everybody else seems to think, that come April, they're just going to start playing much better. Now, they'll have a couple cupcakes in the first and second round, but, you know, that... that, that Wait a minute, don't call the Miami Heat a cupcake now. We need to, you know, and we both got to admit to it, your boy, uh, Eric, uh, uh, what's his name, Spolstra, Coach of the year, Ray, what he's doing with this yeah. roster and all the injuries, he's got CBA guys like coming on, on the YMCA dudes. The Miami Heat might mess around, get the eighth seed. The Bulls might as well just get in the lottery anyway. The Pistons are, are, are struggling. That is so impressive. And who knew the Bucks were struggling just a couple of weeks ago. They've moved all the way up to the sixth seed. Good for them. And then in the West, Ray, Portland has just, you know, just edged up and got the eighth seed now. I don't know if they'll relinquish it. Do you think the Blazers hold on and make the playoffs in the West ahead of the Denver Nuggets? I think they do. I think they have a go-to guy, Dame Lillard. I think they have experience. I think they've been there before. They messed around and had a terrible start, but they've rectified that situation a little bit, enough to make the playoffs. So, yeah, I do think they hold on. 
Yeah, you know, it's going to be fascinating. And obviously, you know, we'll we'll get to the NBA when, the, you know, the playoffs are coming. So before we get to the preview and talk about what, you know, happened with college, one last thing, 36 triple doubles. But I got to say, James Harden, I think I'm starting to lean towards him, Ray. I am so impressed with what he and the Rockets are doing. I think I almost would agree with Kobe Bryant, a co-MVP. And if not, I might have to edge it out to James. What are your thoughts now? I mean, they're 51 and 20, what, 22. What are your thoughts about the sixth seed, Oklahoma City, who got spanked by the Rockets and they're 41 and 31? Who's your MVP? Ten games left. This is so hard because you know I give super – the tiebreaker at least is how your team finishes. Yeah. And it's not like James Harden is playing with Akeem the Dream, Olajuwon, and, you know, Kenny Smith, Vernon Maxwell. He's playing with basically – a roster that only Daryl Morey wants. So give Daryl Morey credit and Mike D'Antoni credit. I don't think that team wins in the playoffs, but, you know, I predicted that they'd be pretty good. You you thought that they'd be at the bottom of the Western Conference. I didn't know they'd be this good, though. So Yeah, I thought they'd be more like a seventh or eighth seed. I didn't think they'd be, you know. I just think that they're a regular season juggernaut. But the problem is everything slows down in the playoffs, and they're not going to get off those threes, and they're not going to get that offensive firepower going in the playoffs. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. But I will say this. Here's the question to ask. If you put Harden on the Thunder and you put Westbrook on the Rockets, would their seasons be different? And I think – that's a hard question to answer, but but I'm leaning. It's funny that you say Harden because you know I wanted to give him the one just like you did two years ago, mm-hmm. the one that uh, Steph Curry won. But I I gotta think Westbrook. I think he's gotta work so hard, and he doesn't miss games, and averaging a triple double is amazing. They really should have co MVPs, and that's what Kobe said a couple well, nights ago. No, no, they. And it's a you're little, right because look, he's only two rebounds away from a triple double himself, and he leads the league in assists. And what is he, yeah. third in scoring? I mean, it's it, not it like really he should be co-MVP. Let's put it like this. It's harder to – it's like splitting hairs between the two of them. And then between the rest of the league, uh, the next guy is probably Kawhi Leonard. And, and in any other year, Kawhi Leonard could have won MVP. But this year, the difference between Harden and Westbrook is like a hair – and I don't think that's enough maybe to, to, to give it to one or the other. So I'm all about co-MVPs this year. I mean, more and more I think about it, I, I hate the concept in theory, but in practice I, I can't – I don't know how to give it to one or the you other. You don't feel but good at telling the other one you're not the MVP because – Correct. Like how do you, you know. So let's get to college, man. I mean, look at the Elite Eight. We know some of the 16. We could touch on it a little bit. But just starting with yesterday's games, and we'll go back to Saturday, Ray. South Carolina, what Frank Martin, Cinderius Stornwell, and the boys are doing, and the way that they've come back, what, three out of the four games against Florida, um, you know, they, they came back the, the round before. It, it, it's been so impressive. 
you know, they're down the baler, they pull it up. And 77-70, there was a minute there where you're like, is Florida going to do this? And they held them to no three-pointers made in the second half. And that was really the difference, man. That pressure. And, I mean, I didn't even re- – I mean, I saw Sendarius. I saw South Carolina play once or twice this season. But, Ray, this guy's like a star, 26. I mean, him and Tyler Dorsey, probably if we're being fair, have had the two best tournaments. This Thornwell has been a beast. He's a problem. And I'm just so happy for South Carolina and Frank Martin. And, you know, give me your thoughts on this game. And also, we got to get Florida love because the win over Wisconsin was incredible. And then they just ran out of gas, I think, against South Carolina. But that win against Wisconsin. We got to give Florida love. We got to uh, give the SEC some love because, frankly, Kentucky could have taken out Carolina. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But you know what else I love? Frank Martin is like everyday's man, everyday coach, right? He's not a blue blood. He's not from an elite program. He's kind of worked his way. To be a high school coach, and high school manager, <laughs> high school coach in Miami. Then he goes to you know a couple stops, and then finally gets a break at K State. But here's the thing. What I love about this guy and about his team is they play defense, old-school defense, in your face, right up, man-to-man, and some zone, too, but they play defense. And they carried the defensive torch for the tournament because everybody else is all about sexy and all about offense, and they play unsexy. But if you love basketball, then you'll love watching the South Carolina team. It's really fun to see them play as a unit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And shutting down the teams that they shut down, I'm really impressed. It, it, was, it was impressive. And they're a number seven seed. I mean, you got a seven, two ones, and a three. And you don't feel like South Carolina doesn't belong because, like you said, with that defense, you've seen them earn it on the court. So let's get to the Blue Bloods, man. I mean, obviously, look, North Carolina took care of Butler getting here. Butler, we both thought, would, you know, give them a little bit of run, and they'd pull away, and and they did. And, you know, like we always said, and you always say it too, Roy Williams and Carolina will give you an eight-minute drought where you can come back or, you know, potentially upset them. And that's what happened with Butler. But then, Ray, against Kentucky, it, it, it showed up again, and I'm screaming, it felt like they were on 68 points for half an hour. Like, I mean, I I was sitting there like, are you freaking kidding me? Meeks, seven points. Now, he was a man on the board, 17. He didn't have that many shots. Hicks only had four points. They couldn't get anything going inside. Some of it was Kentucky's defense, but some of it was they weren't doing their, you know, big-to-big passing. They weren't doing good screens. They weren't attacking the post. Um, thank goodness for Luke May, not just for the game winner, but he scored 17 points. This guy averages five points a game. It was a walk-on. And I just thought, you know, Barry Jackson and, and, and May really saved a performance that both teams struggled offensively, and we really could have lost this game. I mean, look, you know Monk. If he doesn't hit those two threes, he only had six points. He wound up with 12. Acevedo had 13 Fox wasn't as big, and bam. I mean, they're, they're three big players. Now, Fox only had, what, he had 39 set of record for a freshman against UCLA, Ray, but the, the three of them combined, I think, only had 36 or 38 points in this game against uh, North Carolina. So, overall, I love the, the pressure that Monk hit the shot, and then we come back and hit the shot. 
I still, you know me, I feel like we win in spite of Roy. Um, and I felt Fox you know and I'm Monk. Sad? Yeah, I'm sad no, but I felt like Fox, Fox and Monk, they showed why Lonzo Ball ooh, could have a little bit of trouble in the NBA with that speed, athleticism, and length. He couldn't get his shot off. He wasn't as aggressive. And I thought Kentucky did a great job with UCLA. I was a little surprised. Give me your thoughts about the journey of them getting to the Final Four in Elite Eight, North Carolina, Kentucky. So the one thing I'll say about Kentucky is they have so much talent. And, and i got to give Calipari a lot of credit. Even when they were down, he coached them up. And he has to deal with one and dones all the time. The one thing I'm sad about is that I would love to see De'Aaron Fox and Monk for two or three more years together in the back. Oh. Like you saw Amaker and Dawkins yeah. together. Like Cortiani yeah. and Monroe. I mean, You're you right. want to see guys play together. This would be a great backcourt. But they're both going to be pros, and one of them might be a Nick. You never know. <laughs> yeah, they're both like the Aaron Fox as your starting back. point guard? It's possible, right? It's very yeah, for sure. But it was great. Look, Kentucky has nothing to be ashamed of. This was a great season with all these freshmen to run into North Carolina. You, you remember that bracket was one, two, three, four. That was the only bracket that held to form. So if Kentucky, you could argue that if Kentucky had played any of those other three teams, they may have won and been in the Final Four. They just happened to run up against the deepest, most talented team in the whole tournament. So no shame in Kentucky's game going to the final eight and losing, you know, on a buzzer beater to Carolina. You're right. Um, Xavier, you know, I, I love that team. Cinderella caught up to them. Um, all you could say about Gonzaga is Ray is that this team is built for where they're at. And this was not, you know, this was not your, your uncle or dad's or older brother's Gonzaga, um, you know, Shemit, Karnowski, Matthews, who hit the big shot the game before against West Virginia, that was so clutch. And Nigel williams got I mean, he's the real deal. Big game. His 23 was huge and eight assists against uh, Xavier. They just put it on Xavier. It felt like Xavier just – had run out of steam and give Chris Mack so much credit. And I'm so happy for Mark Fuhr and Frank Martin and Dana Albright and, and another Dana Albright, another Kansas state coach, right? They all uh, banged head against, uh, you know, Kansas in their day. We're going to Kansas state, but Gonzaga deserves to be there. And you got to think for the ratings, CBS is rooting for Gonzaga against North Carolina, um, sort of a David versus Goliath in terms of number one seeds. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy Gonzaga got there, and I think that team is legit. I, I love the roster. And Collins, he could go pro being a big guy off the bench. It, it's, it's incredible. I mean, he's got talent, you know. Mark Fuhrer is a great coach, and he's got talent. Yeah, Mark Fuhrer has been banging on the door. He's like huffing and puffing and puffing and puffing, <laughs> and finally the door breaks down. And good for him for staying in Gonzaga, not leaving, not going and get the bigger contract, staying in Spokane, making it happen. And you know what? This was about time. It was years and years in the making. And this is a really good team he has. Now, they're favored against South Carolina, and the good thing is they get you know, almost a full week to prepare. 
So good for them. And I'd love to see them in the national championship game. I don't want to see South Carolina lose, but I think Gonzaga's put in their work and they've put in their time. So I'd love to see that. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And then, you know, you go to Oregon. Wow. I mean, to do this without Boucher and to see sort of – we all knew about Dylan Brooks, and we know the team is is great, and we know their talent. You know he's a great coach. But, Ray, the way that Dorsey, who I didn't realize he was recruited by Kansas – but the way that, that Dorsey and Jordan Bell have stepped up in this tournament, Tyler Dorsey has been a beast, so clutch. And, man, I was just so impressed. They took care of Kansas. It felt like it was with ease. Unfortunately, Josh Jackson, those two early fouls, threw off their whole rhythm. And I feel like the rest have had a rough tournament, Ray. Um, that's yeah, they unfortunate. They that game but, way too close. And also, yeah. Oregon. They better figure out how to play from ahead because they really played terribly in the second half. They had a big enough lead where it didn't hurt them, but they would run the clock down, run the 30-second clock down to six or seven, and then do one or two screens and then shoot a contested three. It was horrible offensive. Shot selection, right. I I totally agree. It was terrible. But Jordan Bell, who normally is like the power forward, playing at center, he was too athletic for Lucas. I mean, 11, 13, four assists, you know, he's blocking all crazy shots. Look, Frank Mason III tried his best. Graham was a no-show. And that was my concern about Kansas, that sometimes, you know, Graham could disappear. Um, Frank Mason, he made me like him so much that I hope he gets a backup point guard role in the NBA. I, I think the kid is special. He's got heart. He's just not a pure NBA player. But – when I look at backup point guards, he's just as good as DJ Augustine or other backup point guards in the NBA. So I hope Frank Mason gets a shot. Um, I think Tyler Dorsey, to me, as a sophomore, he looks like an NBA player. Dylan Brooks is incredible. And I think Oregon, it's a great story. They were in the first uh, Final Four, what, 1939. So they're back. 39, they won it, and, yeah. Um, Bill Knight, you know, Nike, and, and we'll see what jersey they pull out for the Final Four. But um, I'm, it, it was good. So you have the WCC, the SEC, the ACC, and the Pac-12. Um, obviously, the SEC had the best run in the tournament. I like that in the Final Four, you know, you got four different conferences, you know, no Big East, no Big 12, no Big 10. But um, I don't know. I mean, when you, when you start to – Move it forward. What are your thoughts with South Carolina going up against a team that is really filled out at every position? Their I got to think Gonzaga wins this game. I think they have, like I said, the six days to prepare, I think is big. Uh, you may not be able to emulate South Carolina in practice, but you can definitely see them and scheme against them. And I think that Gonzaga has enough composure and Goss in the backcourt. They've got depth. They've got size. So I think there'll be just enough to beat South Carolina. I love this kid, Sundarius Thornwell, but I just think they come up a little bit short on Saturday. 36-1 and one is so legit. Um, I, I got to agree with you, Ray. When I – 
think about Gonzaga, I, I just can't figure out how South Carolina beats them. Because when I, when I look at it, I'm thinking, okay, they've, you know, they've, they've got this defense that you saw the way that they overplayed the passing lanes. And you're thinking, well, you know, can Gonzaga, you know, can they stop Gonzaga? But the way I saw Karnowski, when he wants the ball and he gets in the post and the way he can pass, you start seeing like his dominance and you're like, wait a minute, he can shoot, he can bang in a post, he can pass it. And you're just like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, <laughs> is Gonzaga like this just might be their year, period. Forget about, um, you know, just winning this game. They, they're starting to look kind of special to me. And, and it's okay, right? Like, I think people don't want to say the mid-major, you know, is legit or whatever. But with the way that they play defense, remember, they're one of the best defensive teams, too. I think Gonzaga takes down South Carolina. If I, I, we got to throw some scores on it. I would say for me, Ray, it's going to be a little less offense, more defense. So I'm going to say probably – I'm going to say 68-63. Gonzaga takes down South Carolina. What you got score on that one? I'll say it's a little bit more than that. I think South Carolina, even though they play defense, they don't like to sit on the ball. So I think they'll run up and down a little bit. But I'll take Gonzaga 72-68. Okay. I like that. I like that. So uh, it's not fair because, you know, look, we, 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 we let everybody know about our fandom. We're Tar Heel fans, but I, I must say North Carolina going up against Oregon. This is a is a big league matchup because when you look at Tyler Dorsey compared to the Carolina guards, maybe not Jackson, but when you look at Britt and, and Barry, I don't know if they're really ready for Dorsey. Um, I, I think Jordan Bell is going to meet his match when he's got to deal with all of our big guys, but I, I'm more concerned about Hicks and Meeks because they were looking kind of slow and Jordan Bell is, is no type of slow. You know what I mean? Like it, it was one of those things where you're like in your head. And they like, could bring Bradley and May off the bench. Well, that, and that's the benefit because Bradley 6'10", May 6'8", and Bradley's a little skinny. Like, did you see he had that one move and they were, and they were saying he kind of reminds him of a Doherty. And I, I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot about Brad Doherty. Like, Bradley, and, and you know what, Ray? Like you were talking about the Kentucky kids. You want to see Bradley stay. I heard, I, I heard projections that if he comes out, he's a top 20 pick. But he didn't do enough this year. Like, really? Should he go to the pros? You, you know think? what he'll be? He'll, he'll be Marvin Williams. Uh, 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 Marvin Williams was draft number two. But I know. You know, he was the sixth man on a team that won a national championship. And so Bradley's not even the sixth man. He's like the eighth man on a team that – you may win a national championship. You hate to see that. You want to see him go, go back to school like Blake Griffin did, become, you know, big men always develop a little bit later, and you need playing time, and you weren't going to get much between Hicks and Meeks. So go back for another year, young fella. You know, your game will be better. You'll get drafted higher. You'll be in a better position, and eventually you'll be better off when you sign your second NBA contract. 
Yeah, I mean, even if he just stayed one more year, I totally agree with you. So, I got to pick this game, man. I'm scared of Oregon, but I think between Justin Jackson and Joe Berry's ankle will really get to rest. He's got a full week, you know, or six days. And, you know, Brits has, you know, can play a little bit. And then now May's got confidence. You saw him in class, 8 o'clock this morning, get a standing ovation. I thought that was awesome. And Meeks, you know, when he touches the rock, he just gets people in foul trouble and they got to feed him. But I think right now, North Carolina, they had their test. Now, Kentucky's a blue blood, and that was a big fight. And But they had their test, you know, two games ago. Uh, before the Butler game to get in the Sweet 16, and they 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 pass with shining colors, and I think North Carolina is going to put it on Oregon. Oregon will stay in the game, and then North Carolina will be able to take it down. I'll say 83-77. North Carolina beats Oregon. I like that. I like that score. I think that's probably comparable to to what both of these teams project. I mean, they're very good offensive teams. They're decent on defense when they apply themselves. The Oregon team has three playmakers, and it's too bad for them that Pritchard's a freshman because otherwise he'd be contributing more, especially in clutch time. This, however, is the game that they miss Chris Boucher. And Carolina's too big, too deep, and I think that if Carolina gets the big fella in trouble, then – Jordan Bell goes to the bench. They have to bring in guys that haven't played, so their whole rotation gets shorter. And then I think that the everything gets mucked up in the middle there for for uh, Dorsey and Dylan Brooks. So I think they need the size, they need the spacing, and this is one of those situations where Oregon's going to be have to learn how to play from behind and make some runs against Carolina because you know Carolina makes runs, but like you said, they'll let you back in it. So. Carolina goes out to a lead. I think Oregon hangs with them because offensively they can. I just think at the end of the day, Carolina's size, just like it eventually wore down most opponents and eventually wore down Kentucky with Meeks getting his 17 rebounds and and Hicks and and May and all these guys' size and athleticism, too much. So I think Carolina wins a close game. I think you had a, what, six-point game? I'll say something like that. I'll say it may even be even higher scoring. So I'll say – 86 to 81 in just an up and down game. Okay. So, you know, guys are declaring, and before we wrap up the show, obviously, okay, Thursday we're going to have our 2017 Major League Baseball preview. I'm hyped up. Baseball's here. We had fun with the World Baseball Classic USA, 8 nothing over Puerto Rico. That was amazing. So Thursday, check out Ray and Tay, our postseason awards, all of our predictions. It is going to be great because come, what is it, uh, Sunday this year, April Sunday 2nd? night, April 2nd. The, the Major League Baseball season starts. Ray, if we had to go with like the old school, old tournament teams or guys that you think are going to potentially make the pros, let's talk a few minutes. Obviously, I said Dorsey has been great. We know Justin Jackson's been great. Cinderius Stornwell, 6'5", senior, shooting guard, but he's, you know, stocky. Can, can this guy play in the next level? He's 2'11". He's scoring 21 a game. Is he a first-round, second-round pick? 
Because I'm starting to believe, like, this guy's an NBA player. I texted you this during the game. It reminds me of Gilbert Arenas, Agent Zero. About the same size, about the same body type, about the same athleticism. A little bit huskier, a little little stronger. A little stronger. Gilbert had probably played more outside, and Sanderis plays more inside. He was suspended, but he got his act together. I do think that this guy could be an NBA player. Why not? I mean, he can play. Now, in this NBA, you got to be able to shoot, right? First and foremost, two guards, swingmen, they need to be able to shoot. So he can shoot. He's not J.J. Redick, but he can shoot. Um, I like his versatility inside, outside. I like his defense because he's coming out of that Frank Martin system where they play some D. So <laughs> I do like him as an NBA prospect. Now, obviously, we know, um, you know, North Carolina's got their blue bloods, you know, Jackson. But to me, he's a legit pro. How do you view Meeks, Hicks, and Barry? Because I, I kind so of feel funny. like... So it's I don't even know if Josh Jackson is such a legit pro. Justin Jackson, sorry. I mean, yeah, I look he, at Bryce Johnson, and I say, where is he? I, I think that... He's on the bench in L.A.? Yeah, I think that that Justin Jackson, the good thing about him is he stayed, he worked on his game, he worked on his shooting. So he's better off this year than he was last year. But I think he's also... He he can hit a three, but he can hit a 15-footer. I was thinking more like a Gordon Hayward type, maybe. Gordon Hayward's a little bigger, but... um, I don't know. Role player to me. I don't see him as being anything and, and anything special in the, in the NBA. And same with the He's other guys. He's projected like top 20, top 25. I see. Just like Bryce Johnson was, right? And, and I think the other guys, Barry, I mean, who would you rather have on your team as a backup point guard, Barry or Frank Mason? I might take Frank Mason. I'm not honestly, sure. Honestly, I'd take Frank Mason. I don't think Barry's yeah. an NBA player. I don't think he's got the speed. He's not super athletic. Um, if you, we wanted to be critical, this Carolina team, talent-wise, athleticism, they're not that great. And that's the only concern I really have of Oregon. I, the reason why I think, like you said, they don't have uh, Chris Boucher, and I just think we have too much talent. But when you look to the next level, it's college talent. I don't think – I mean, is Meeks a backup no, for an it's, it's like the 92 team. It's like Donald Williams and the boys, you know? Yeah. It's a good team, George Lynch, but uh, it's not It's not full of NBA products. It's not the 2005 team. Even that team didn't have great NBA players, but guys that, that you know, had some talent and, and guys that had some uh, more, a little more athleticism. Rashad McCants and Raymond Felton, and so – these guys at least did a little bit more in the pros. I think this is going to go down as a very good college team, but but nothing special in terms of NBA prospects. I mean, I like these other guys. I like, I like Josh Jackson, obviously the best of all of these guys in terms of the final eight. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we know, you know, the, 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 the Kentucky guys, the UCLA guys, Leaf and Ball. Um, how do you feel about – Gonzaga's guys. What about William Goff and what about I don't like uh, him in the pro. I think he's 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 not athletic enough. Karnowski could be a role player, maybe a, a space eater, but he's like from a different era. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I don't like I don't like their guys in the pros either. 
Does anybody on the Gators, do, do you think any of their guys, Allen, anybody? Allen, Leon maybe. He's only a sophomore. Uh, he's got to work on his shooting, but he's he's athletic. He's a lefty. Yeah, he's 6'8". He he's some kind things. Of you know, again, athletic guys, more college players. I, I really don't see any great pros. Dylan Brooks is the only question mark, and I have, I mean, Jorsey maybe at 6'4". Dylan Brooks has the size, and Dylan Brooks can shoot. He's got a little awkward form, but uh, you know, is he, is he athletic enough to play an NBA swingman? See, that was my question. Like, I, I don't know about Dylan Brooks. And then when I think about Tyler Dorsey, I think he's more athletic than Brooks. The way Dylan, the way uh, Dorsey was able to get his, the way you, you see him and he can get his shot. Like, to me, I'm like, Dorsey might, he might be a little bit of a player. I wouldn't count him out. Um, but you don't think anything from, now, I think Zach Collins, the backup guy, he's projected well for the NBA um, for Gonzaga. You know, that's one guy that I think might have a shot. So it's just interesting looking forward with some of these young guys. Obviously, you know, when you peel it back, we know all the Kansas, Kentucky, you know, uh, UCLA freshmen, they're, you know, they're well, well, Valley hooed and they're going to be great. But it's just interesting to look at the South Carolinas, the Gonzagas, Florida's, even our Tar Heels. Do they have legitimate, you know, NBA players? And, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be fascinating. I think without a doubt, though, it's a very, very good draft. There is definitely yeah, not so much because of these final four teams, but definitely because of the young freshmen, like even a Markel Foles, a guy that didn't even make the tournament. That's funny if if he's number one, and then Ben Simmons was number one last year. You have two guys who go to college. Basically, their schools are terrible, and they make they make water and makes make a big splash by being the number one overall pick. But that's fascinating. What would you take if you're the Lakers or Sixers, and let's say you you wanted to you know, play Ben Simmons at the three and not necessarily a point, but maybe if you say you would take Markel Foles over Ball if you're Philly, but if you're L.A., you would maybe take Ball over Markel. Would you think that would be the way to go just because of the type of roster they have? Well, I think you got to move Ben Simmons off the point. Uh, I think he could play some point, point forward, but I don't want him every – He's 6'11". You know, I want him to be doing his thing off the ball, on the ball, but not stuck on the ball. So Right, that's why I said they would take Markel. Well, but, like... but they could easily take Lonzo Ball, too. I mean, he makes people around him better. And to some degree, you want to get him out of L.A., get him away from his father because <laughs> – you know, he's hyping him up, and I hope it's just for, you know, to sign a contract and get some money and maybe scare some teams into into leaving him so he could play in L.A., kind of how Elway's father was involved and, and yeah, uh, the media uh, Peyton Manning's father was involved. But, he's on ESPN, but I don't know, he's maybe, on Fox, he's everywhere. Le- yeah, maybe he needs to go outside of L.A. So, I look, you can't go wrong. I think if you had more talent maybe around you, maybe Lonzo Ball's the guy. Um, but if you need – scoring and you need the guy to, to actually produce, maybe Markel Foles is, is, is your guy. So I'm okay with either of them. They're, you know, different games, but both of them I think will have an impact, even as rookies. So real quick, before we end the show, what did you think about Dayton's head coach, Archie Miller? He's now the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. I thought it's a great hire 
I think Alford was going to be a done deal, but I think they couldn't work out the buyout. Are you surprised that Alford's going to return to UCLA? And how do you like Miller with Dayton? I mean, with Indiana. I was surprised because I thought that that was the one job he would leave for. And it was time, right? Crean was there for nine years. It was either going to be Gary Marshall, Archie Miller, or obviously, uh, you know, bring Steve Alford back home. So I would have said Alford for sure. But I think Miller's a great pick. So I, And in some ways, maybe you start fresh. Maybe you don't bring the Indiana guy back, right? I like it. I like it all around. I think UCLA, in some ways, Steve Alford's not a UCLA guy, not an LA guy. So I think he'll probably only stay there for a few more years. So in some ways, you know, if he can bring you Lamelo and the other kid, you know, maybe you ride out these three balls and then and then yeah. you get yourself a new coach. Because I have a feeling that they don't really love him in LA because he's not one of them. But. Good for Indiana for getting a coach, being decisive, and I think the Miller pickup is a good pickup. Yeah, I agree. I'm fascinated to see maybe if Marshall, I think he's going to stay, Wichita State, but I wonder if he would consider Georgetown and where Georgetown goes next. I don't think Patrick Ewing would be Patrick great for him. Ewing. Yeah, he needs a chance somewhere, but I don't think he's going to be a great recruiter. Um, I would love to see Tommy Amaker at Georgetown. Would you be, but here's the thing. If you're a 17-year-old Kid, if Patrick Ewing shows up in your living room, are you less likely to come to Georgetown or more likely to come to Georgetown? He's intimidating, but to be around Patrick Ewing and to be around that NBA Hall of Famer, honestly, if I'm a young kid, like I'd go to Georgetown to be with Patrick Ewing. Yeah, but I think that guard, cachet, you're like a six guard, want to go to the NBA, you know what I'm saying. He could have great assistant yeah. coach, great recruiters, but just Patrick shows up, that's like, wow. Now, he don't got no rings to show, but he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. He, he did it in college, though. But yeah. uh, great show. Definitely. Thursday, baseball has been very, very good to us. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what we think about the Cubs, the Red Sox. It's going to be great season and a great show. Have a great sports week. The ladies are playing, right? Connecticut is still doing Anybody it. Everybody stop UConn. Yeah, that's the question. Yeah. So anyway, so we'll we'll talk about everything on Thursday, but it's Major League Baseball preview show. Have a great sports week. And we'll see you Thursday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.